Welcome to Epiphany with Tiffany, a podcast that explores the deeper meaning behind the clothes you wear and items you own and how to work with the energy of the cosmos to make powerful shifts in your life, home, and wardrobe. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm a holistic life and style coach and personal stylist with a deep love for fashion and a firm believer of the life-changing power of energetics. Tune in each week for an illuminating discussion designed to shift your frequency and connect your environment to your soul. This is a Soul Fire production. Today's episode features one of our favorite topics of all time. I'm talking about love and I'm talking about astrology, one of my favorite topics. And I decided to bring on my astrologer and one of our former guests on the podcast, Scott Tajerian. Scott is a astrologer, author of the book, The Basics of Astrology, which is now available for purchase on Amazon. And he's also the host of the astrology podcast, The Weekly Transit Astrology. You all know I love Scott. If you haven't listened to my first episode with Scott, go back in the Epiphany with Tiffany podcast archives and pull up episode three. The Influence of Astrology features Scott Tajerian and our first conversation where we really dive deep into Scott's origin story with astrology, the way astrology is becoming more prevalent in this day and age. And we also looked at some celebrity charts and one of my favorite muses. We unpacked her chart and compared it to mine. It's a really fun and interesting episode. So definitely go check that one out. I wanted to bring Scott back on the podcast because I recently took one of his workshops called Astrology and Love. And I learned so much from that workshop that I thought it would be fun to have him back on to share a little bit about the learnings coming out of that workshop and go back into the celebrity charts and look at some more celebrity charts and in the context of love and relationship and partnership and compatibility. I won't go too deep into the episode deets in this intro because I just want to hop into it. It's a really fun episode, but some of the high notes are Scott and I talk a little bit about just the gaining popularity of astrology and how We are about to enter the age of Aquarius where astrology is really going to become more mainstream. I didn't even know about that. It's coming up in the next few years. And so if you want to hear more about Scott's insights on that, definitely listen to that part of the episode. And when it comes to love, Scott and I talk about how to really leverage your astrological code, your unique frequency to attract love matches and partners. We talk about how I use astrology in my dating life, looking at charts of prospective dates, sometimes before the date, sometimes right after, so that I can gain insights on compatibility. If you're already partnered, you can look at one another's astrology charts, book a reading with Scott. He does couples readings. Highly recommend if you're in partnership and curious about both of your charts together. And you can really get an understanding from this episode, some of the 
planets and aspects and connection points to look for within your astrology codes that point to compatibility, how you will understand each other, what the most important signs and planets are to look at within the chart if you are trying to assess compatibility. And spoiler alert, it's not just the sun sign and it's not just the Venus planet of love sign. There, It goes so much deeper than that. So we dig into that. And we also get a little bit into twin flames, karmic soulmates, um, that kind of energy within charts, what to look for, how that shows up. If you can see karmic uh, ties to the past within astrology charts and how that plays out with partners that you attract in. And then we really also get back into some of the couple compatibility charts. We look at celebrity charts and dissect the love and compatibility of a couple popular couples. And overall, just such a fun and interesting chat. Always have a really interesting conversation with Scott as I am really working on my own deepening knowledge within astrology. Every time I meet with Scott, every time I exchange energy with Scott, I learn more and more about astrology and find it just so fascinating. And so I really just have it in my heart to bring some of that knowledge to you. So basically, this is a listen in on a conversation that Scott and I might have um, on our own one-on-one, and we're bringing it to the podcast. So I hope you enjoy. And if you have any questions for me about the episode, want to book an astro style reading with me and look at your style and astrology, definitely head to my website and check that out. And Scott offers one-on-one readings couple readings. And he occasionally has uh, workshops like this astrology and love one. Hopefully he'll bring it back, but he is around. Go to his website, theweeklytransit.com. You can see all of his offerings there. And I'm going to pop a link in the show notes to his Amazon book, which, well, it's not an Amazon book. It's his book that's available on Amazon, The Basics of Astrology. And I bought my own copy when it first came out. And I highly recommend. I had a PDF digital copy of it before, and which was great, but the the paperback version just hits different. So go check that out. And he's also on Instagram. You can find him on at the Weekly Transit, and he's now on TikTok. Go Scott! So he's definitely around and always sharing the knowledge. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Scott. And now on to the episode. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for having me back, Tiffany. It's great to be here. Had to have you back on the podcast. Our episode was that we did. It was my third episode of the podcast. I was just getting started. Loved you were my first guest. Loved having you on as my first guest because I was just trying to get comfortable with podcasting. And our episode is actually um, one of my most top downloaded episodes. Definitely such a juicy combo, like hearing your origin story with astrology. And we did a little deep diving into some celebrity couples and my favorite muse, Mary Tyler Moore. It was a, it was a great episode. Those of you who haven't listened to it, it was, uh, it's on the the podcast episode list. So go check it out. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to hear that. I'm glad people liked it. (laughs) I had fun talking with you. So, I mean, that's, that's all I know is that I enjoy 
having these conversations with you. So I'm excited to to have another here and record it. Well, I think that like we talked about a little bit last time, astrology is becoming more and more popular and more people are getting curious about it and wanting to learn more about it. And so I think that when you can have a astrologer on to really deep dive into all things astrology, it can just be like a great, um, sound off point for like letting your curiosity guide you further. I know I heard from some people who were like, well, now this makes me want to get a reading or like, look Mm -hmm. at my birth chart. Um, like do the astro style readings with me. So it's just, it's, it's definitely, um, feels like a season where astrology is of the forefront. And (laughs) the reason why I wanted to have you back on today is because I thought we could deep dive into a topic that everyone knows and loves and look at it through the astrology lens. And so that topic is love, all things astrology and love. Yes, I love it. It's my one of my favorite subjects. And and I just want to say one thing about what you just said about how astrology is like getting more and more popular and all that sort of stuff. It's it is astrology's it's it's going to continue to gain in popularity as Pluto moves into Aquarius. Uh, Aquarius is the sign that rules astrology. And so when Pluto moves in there, I feel like there's going to be a big transformation. I believe that by the time Pluto moves out of Aquarius in 2044, astrology is going to be mainstream. It's really going to be a mainstream focus over the next, uh, I'd say, 22 years. You're going to see a real boom in this this art form, this language. That is incredible to know. I did not know that. How do you think that's going to impact the work that you do? Because you're already becoming more and more popular with your your readings and your offerings. Um, What do you forecast it being like to be an astrologer as Pluto moves into Aquarius? Well, when I was first getting super into astrology six years ago, I was becoming obsessive about it. This is one of the first things I saw. I was like, okay, I love this. This is fun. Is this something I can do like for a living? And when I looked at where the planets were moving, I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I said that, you know, by the time we get to like 2040, it's astrology is going to be mainstream. This is something that is that people are starting to wake up to. It's resonating. I think a lot of it has to do with technology. It's a lot easier to generate charts because of technology. You know, like if it was back let's say before computers or before everyone had a phone in their hand that there was like a comp- like a mini computer supercomputer you would have to calculate the charts and draw out everything by hand and do the math equation now it's like the computers do that for you so it's very accessible it's easy to use um, it's easy to generate these charts and because technology is advancing astrology is much easier to grasp than it was in the past. That's fascinating. Cause I, I do think that makes a lot of sense where we think about how it used to be accessed and, you know, in the olden days when people were like riding on camels and looking at the stars and sky and drawing a map handwritten, and you even draw hand-drawn, um, astrology codes and charts for readings. I was always really impressed with that probably makes you a better astrologer. If you can do go through the manual exercises of drawing it. I know I'm a visual learner. It really helps me learn things. If I can like draw it out and just 
that can be a shadow side of the digital age, even though it does make it more accessible. Well, I do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I guess to answer your earlier question, like for me, like I think, yeah, astrology is going to be huge for me. It's it already is my career. It's something I'm doing professionally. I feel like it's going to continue to grow. But as far as like the hand-drawn charts and everything, I'm still like using the the technology to generate the chart rather than like doing the math myself and going right. to the ephemeris and and calculating everything. That just takes so much time. Uh so because That's like a happy medium. Yeah, exactly. I draw it because it it does connect me to the symbols. Mm -hmm. uh, and and when I draw the chart, I'm connecting to the person that I'm doing the reading for. I'm learning about them through seeing their chart. Like people ask me like, well, you know, yeah, you have to like do a lot of research and stuff. I've done all the research. I've done all the studying on my own. But when I do draw the chart, that's my moment to just be with the client before I'm actually with the client and have it an understanding of who they are. So, yeah. Yeah. Really study the energy and frequency within their chart. Yeah. Really yeah. cool. Really yes. cool. Let's get into so astrology today's love. topic yes. because I think yes. that I know I would be curious to know as a regular practicing astrologer, you meet with many clients every week what is, is love, I should say, is love one of the most popular questions, topics, things that people come to you about for readings? Oh yeah. Everybody wants to know about their love life. When am I going to find someone or why is my relationship the way that it is? Uh, it's a big part. I mean, this is, it's, we, we reflect off of each other. And if you, if you are in a relationship and it's not going well, you question yourself. If you're alone and you, you know, you, you want to be with somebody, you know, maybe if you just came out of a breakup, you don't, but ultimately I think everyone wants to have some sort of connection. They want to be seen. They want to be loved. They want to have that heart opening. Like love is where you can open your heart to somebody and you can, you can show yourself to them. You can be vulnerable with them emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and be accepted and appreciated. That's, that's a wonderful feeling to, to have that reflected to you from another person. So it's a very important part of life. Yes, it is. It's one of the foundational parts of life, I think. And when you're looking at astrology and love, I know I took recently one of your workshops, Astrology and Love, which is really what inspired me to ask you to come back on because mm. what really took me by surprise when we did that workshop was you're not just looking at what everyone thinks when you're thinking about love, which is Venus, the planet of love, mm -hmm. also an important aspect and planet to be looking at, but not the only thing. And, and your sun sign, people are always like, well, are my sun signs compatible? But there, it goes so much deeper than that. Can you share a little bit what are the top planets to look at or to, you know, get a, a read on within your own chart or with someone else's chart when you're thinking about dating and how to approach dating and who, who you might be compatible with? 
absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of different layers. It's very complex. You're complex. The person that you're potentially mat matching with is complex. Your astrological codes are complex. So how does it all fit together? And, you know, generally people would say, well, okay, this sign can't be with that sign or that sign can't be with this sign, but there's so much more going on. Uh, any sign can work together. Some signs are more difficult with one another, but it depends on which planets are making that close connection to another planet. It's like two pieces of a puzzle that are coming together and fitting. So I think of, of the seven personal planets, which are the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Those are the seven most important planets when it comes to relationships is not to discount the other planets. They're very important as well. Uh, but just to make it simple, I, in the class, I just looked at the seven, but then even from those seven, I look at the four within those seven, which are the sun, the moon, Venus, and Mars. You mentioned Venus because it is the planet of love. So if another planet, particularly the sun or Mars are connected to Venus, that is going to create some kind of attraction. Now, Mars is the planet of attraction. Venus is the planet of love. The moon is the planet of emotions. And the sun is the planet of vitality. So the sun is like the battery. It's charging whatever it's connecting to. So the, the sun is connecting to the moon in a positive way. That means that there's a strong emotional connection, strong emotional compatibility. If the sun is connecting to Venus in some way, in a positive way. But even if it's in a challenging way, like a square, which is a challenging aspect, it's still indicating that there's some kind of love exchange there. And the senses uh, may be in alignment with each other where you it's easy to, to decide where to go to eat and what to watch and what to do with your day. Uh, Mars is the planet that rules the physical act of sex. So that's an important aspect to a romantic relationship. And so if Mars is connected to any of those other three planets, Venus, the moon, the sun, that indicates sexual compatibility. So when, when we're saying it's in connection, are we referring to like a conjunction, a trine? Because I think that one thing I know you and I've looked at some of my charts with with potential partners and, or mm -hmm. just dating people that I've been dating. And one of the dates I recently was, was curious about, we looked at their chart in comparison to mine and, um, their Mars was square my moon. And that mm -hmm. was a red flag because that was kind of indicating that there could be some kind of incompatibility with them being able to hold space for my emotions. Mm -hmm. And then it could lead to like volatility because Mars is the planet of attraction, but it's also the planet of war. Yes. So, so can you dig in a little bit deeper on when you're talking about how planets are lined up, what are the specific types of placements we should be looking at in the charts together? So you want to see if how close are the degrees to one another? You want to understand what all these different aspects are, the conjunction, the sextile, the square, the trine, and the opposition. Those are the five strongest aspects that the planets make with one another. Conjunction is when two planets are right on top of each other. They're in the, at the same degree in the same sign. Sextile 
and trines, those are supportive sextiles when you're connecting uh, two planets. They have the same degree or near to the same degree. They're in different signs with different modalities and different but complementary elements. So that would be like earth and water because water nurtures the earth. Earth gives water form or air and fire because air fuels fire and fire raises the air. The square is the most challenging one. That is a 90 degree angle. So if you're looking at a chart, it literally forms a square. If you had four points that were all connecting to each other at 90 degrees, that is when you have two planets or key astrological points that are at or near the same degree. They're in different signs with the same modality, but different and conflicting elements. So water and fire, water extinguishes fire, fire boils water, or earth and fire, fire scorches earth, earth extinguishes fire, or air and water or air and earth because air doesn't mix with either of those elements. So that creates that challenge. The opposition and the conjunction, they're also challenging, but it's not as intense as the square. So like when we were talking about your potential match, I think you summed that up perfectly. I mean, there's going to be that sexual attraction with that, uh, but there's also potentially emotional volatility and rage that comes up because Mars is the god of war. So you typically don't want Mars to be squaring any planets. Uh, you want it to be in a sextile or a trine. Uh, you know, the opposition and the, con and the conjunction are going to add some heat, uh, maybe not in a good way, but it's not as intense as a square. But the sextile and the trine, if you got that with Mars and the moon or Mars and Venus or Mars and the sun, uh, that's a really hot connection. Hot connection. I mean, that's a hot <laughs> in tip a in and of way. itself. Yes. Yeah, yes. Totally. Totally. And, I mean, and, that's what you want to look for. Where's that's the That's not something I would have ever thought to look at if I looked at someone's chart. And I think what's been fun for me with my own dating experience right now is if I'm on the apps and I'm using an app like Bumble, you can actually um, set preferences so that you can pick the compatible signs or just ask to be served matches for the specific signs that you want. Yes. And so through our workshop, you were able to help me figure out the top three most compatible sun signs. If you don't know the rest of their chart, because most of us don't know the rest of their chart. And then I'm trying to get comfortable with asking within um, the first date or two, can I see your birth chart? Because first of all, if they can't hang with astrology, they're not going to be able to hang with me long-term anyways. Exactly. But second of all, it really can be this helpful tool. In the case with this particular person we're talking about with the Mars square, my moon, what was interesting was it was like, they gave me their chart, no problem. And then when I shared that with them, just very uh, transparently, it did shift the dynamic after that, where I think, you know, maybe for both of us, where we were just kind of like, this probably just isn't a right match. So you, it can really save you a lot of time and energy, Absolutely. which, which people are like, well, that's so invade. And it's like, no, you're, we're both out here trying to date. There's a lot, our time is limited. There's a lot happening in the world if you can save yourself time and not waste each other's time to figure out if it's a connection, that's why astrology can just be so helpful. Cause you can instantly kind of get to the nitty gritty without having to go on like 10 dates and start falling for them before you realize that their Mars is going to square your moon. Exactly. 
Exactly. That's brilliant. And I applaud you for, and I applaud the guy too, for being open to you, uh, you know, receiving his birth information and, yes. and him being open to receiving your reflection of that and, and understanding that, you know what, there's a lot of people out there, you know, we, we don't want to approach love from that scarcity mentality that, oh, I'm never going to find my person. You know, that's, that's a scarcity mentality. Uh, that's not the the reality that you want to be living in. That's not the frequency. You know, you're you're setting out an energetic frequency, like a mating call. And if your mating call is scarcity, then that's what you're going to attract. You're going to attract scarcity. You're gonna and you're gonna attract. If you attract a partner, they're going to be somebody that is also living in that scarcity mentality. And and then the two of you are going to be sucking each other dry. It's not going to be an uh, an abundant relationship. That is the uh, breeding ground for situationships. I've been in many of them and it ends up just being a big waste of time for everyone. It might fill some um, immediate need for a connection, but it's so surface level. It, it really doesn't do you any service. And if anything, I think it makes you more wary of getting out there and opening your heart up to love again. So I, I really had to shut a lot of those down within the past year or all of them down within the past year. Cause I was just like, this is really draining my energy and making me more wary to go on the apps, to open my heart for in real life connection or online connections with people that I might miss because I'm just wasting all my time talking to this person in a situation ship when there's no actual relationship happening. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You only have so much energy. And so if you're, if you're funneling out your energy to all these situationships, then you're not saving the energy for the person that you truly want to attract into your life. So you need to sit, collect your energy and focus it towards the person that you want to attract, make your list. This is the person that I want to meet. This is what I'm worthy of. This is what I want in relationship. This is what I want from a partner. And and this is what I'm willing to give in return and call that out. And it will I, come to you. I think that's so helpful because the universe needs to know what they're working with mm-hmm. and getting their list writing, even before you know what the astrology sun signs you might be compatible with or other elements, the, the list writing is key because I think when we don't even know um, what our preferences are, what type of partnership or relationship we want. All of a sudden we're attracting people and we get so far in that then it's like, oh, I wanted an open partnership. I wanted a closed one. Mm-hmm. Things like that can be really frustrating down the line if you don't have this list first. But I think having a one-on-one reading with you or with someone that does a birth chart reading where you can really understand your astrology, your preferences in relationship. Like one thing in our birth chart reading that we did back in the day earlier this year, um, you pointed out that my Uranus is in the 12th house in Sag. And so you were saying, which is not one of the, or in Scorpio. So you were saying one of the aspects I might want is freedom in relationships Mm -hmm. or openness and in partnerships, which really took me by surprise because I've never been in an open partnership in the past. I've always been in very traditional relationships. I hadn't even really, I had considered it underneath the surface, but I'd never really voiced it with a partner. And so that's why I think, um, learning that about your chart can just be helpful because as you're writing your list, you're like, 
you can noodle on these things. Is this what I think I'm looking for right now in a partnership and get the list really dialed in and then understand what the top, maybe three sun signs you're compatible with to be looking for. If you're using the apps like Bumble or something, um, and then you can filter the matches to these sun signs and really save yourself a lot of time. It's a more efficient way to do it because I think for me in my forties now on the apps and have been on and off the dating apps for a number of years when I've been in my single years, I get wary of like going on so many dates, going on or talking to so many people on the apps only to have, you know, it not work out or it just to be a texting situation. You never meet up and it just feels like so much energy. And so I think the more efficient and dialed in you can get up front is really going to save you time. And then you might be surprised with how fun and easy the process of going on the apps can become. Because you've created yes. so much space and and really healthy energy. So I wanted to say, like your Uranus is in Scorpio, but your Venus is in Sagittarius. In They're both in the twelfth house. house. So and both of those indicate exactly what you were saying. I mean, the the Uranus in Scorpio, and that's a generational transit. A lot of people uh, were born with Uranus in Scorpio. That essentially means that you want independence in your karmic bonds, which doesn't mean that you don't want a committed relationship. You do, but you want independence within that relationship. Your Venus, on the other hand, in Sagittarius indicates freedom in relationships and your descendant line. That's another key point to remember in astrology and love is the descendant line is where the house of marriage begins the seventh house and your descendant line is in gemini and that is why i was like maybe you will have multiple partners i because forgot gemini about that is the twins and yes. it's variety yes. and so yes. you can be in a committed relationship but if you're going to be like that person better be interesting. You know, that person well, better be spontaneous. And yes, I, and that's what I think it is. I think it's not even necessarily about, is the partnership going to be open or closed? Although it could be that, mm-hmm. that easy to digest, but it's also like, are they boring? Do I get yeah. bored easily? I have a tendency to need a lot of stimulation <laughs> to keep me, to keep <laughs> me interested. And so yeah. that was actually, I forgot about that part of the chart, but that was a key insight because I was just like, Oh, that's probably why some of these relationships wonderful people, but I, you know, after a certain amount of time, I I, I need the continuous stimulation. And if I get really used to the routine, even in my own life, I get bored with myself. I'm like, we got to switch things up. So it's not even just about even dating always. It can just be how you're wired in general. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the way that society like kind of wants to squeeze everybody into a one size fits all jumpsuit. It's like, I love telling people and I, I see it all the time when I, when I'm like, Oh, your Venus is in Sag and you know, your, your descendant is uh Gemini. I mean, I just did that with another, with a, with a friend actually a couple uh, weeks ago who was, uh, who's a Sag rising like you. And I told her this and she's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. I, I do want multiple partners. Like I can't be with one person. Like that does not make sense, but I've been trying to squeeze myself into this box and it's not working and it's very frustrating to me. And I was just like, yeah, that's not your thing. And it's just like a relief to see like the relief 
on people's faces and like in their body, the, the way they're holding on to this energy that is not them. It's yeah. Yes. Huge sigh of relief. And also just, you know, looking at relationships, like you said, outside of the condition pre program box that we've all been conditioned to look at them. For some people it works and for mm-hmm. others it doesn't. And it can mm-hmm. also be really, of course, unique to the relationship <laughs> itself. Yes. Um, obviously. So, but when you're looking at how you determine, like in my case, who I'm most compatible with sun sign wise, if we don't have the whole chart, what are some things people can just look at? Like, so I'm Libra sun, I'm an Mm -hmm. air sign as a Libra sun air sign. What are like general characteristics I would be looking for in a match? If I just wanted to look at their sun sign, if you, and if you just know your sun sign and and like, yeah, let's even say that I just know my sun sign. Yeah. If you, if you just know your sun sign and you, you need don't to book know a reading you're... immediately, <laughs> you're really missing it. If you only know your sun sign, but sorry, I digress. So, yeah, no, I love, thank you. Thank you for that, Tiffany. I appreciate it. But yeah, if you just know your sun sign and if you're an air sun, then you want to, you want to stick to the air and fire signs. If you're a fire sun, air and fire. If you want to, if you're a earth or water sun, you want to stick to earth and water. But if you know where your Venus and Mars and Moon are, you know, your sun might be in, uh, in, in air like yours is, but it might, your moon might be in water like yours is. Like mine is. So that, so that creates some complexity there. You know, you're one of these more fortunate people. Yes. But you, but you do have, you know, the deck stacked in your favor in some ways because your sun is in air. So your vitality the the energy that you carry is air your venus is in fire which is compatible with air so your love nature is fire your moon is in water which is the oddball here but your mars is also in fire so this is why for you in that general sort of uh framework we're keeping you with the mostly the air and the fire signs because that is going to vibe with your air moon and your fire Venus and fire Mars. And what was fun is when I learned that looking at partners I've dated in the past, if they weren't a fire or air sign, I was like, Oh, it was like so (laughs) insightful immediately. And then now looking forward, I've actually never dated a Leo uh, or an Aries. So those are Mm -hmm. two fire signs I've completely been missing out on, on Mm -hmm. matches with. And so just having the ability to now know that, add them to my my list on the dating apps, or even just a mental note if I meet someone, figure out when their birthday is, do that little calculation. Okay, yep, they're a Leo or an Aries. Then it's like this immediate green light where I'm like, okay, I can this initial attraction I might be feeling or curiosity I might be feeling. Let's dig a little bit further, and yes. and so it's like that initial entry point. I love it. I love that. Okay. So when you're doing readings, I have more questions for you about couples readings because you do couples chart readings. And one of the hot topics right now is twin flames. What's the difference between um, twin flames and karmic um, soul, like soulmates or, or soul connections? Are there aspects you can look at in a couple's reading or even in a one-on-one reading, if they give you the chart of a a partner or somebody where you can say, oh, you've had your twin flames or you have karmic bonds or connections. Like, what are you looking at there? 
Well, I, I'm going to ask you, like, can you explain to me what a twin flame is? What, what does that mean? <laughs> so this doesn't come up in ratings. Is well, I mean, me. I, I think people have asked me before, uh, but I'm not really clear on the definition of a twin flame. I am clear on the definition of like a karmic connection. Uh, yes. But yeah, twin flame. So, yeah. So I'm no expert, but from what I understand, twin flames are you're essentially you come to planet earth sharing a soul, but you're in two mm-hmm. bodies. So yeah. it kind of reminds me of like when we've talked about before, like, um, I have twin nieces and you talk about if we're looking at their chart, they're mm-hmm. basically two souls or one soul yeah. and two bodies. And, yeah. um, I don't know about what charts look like between twin flames specifically, but the concept of a twin flame being that they are one soul and they're being mirrored mm-hmm. in uh, masculine feminine energy and in like just like the way they are in the world so when they meet there's this like instant knowing like i know who you are like you recognize their soul because it's your soul and usually yeah. there's a lot of tests and um deep patterns that have to be walked through on both sides to be able to make this twin flame union even uh, doable because most people by the, when they meet the first time, they're not ready for each other yet. Whereas like a karmic bond or soulmate, Mm -hmm. karmic soulmate, they have that past life history, Mm -hmm. um, probably past life experiences or partnership. And so when they meet in current life, there's Mm -hmm. like that I think recognition as well, but they're not sharing the same soul. Yeah. That's that the concept of twin flame with two people sharing the same soul, but in different bodies. Like I I only, that only conceptualizes for me with actual twins. Um, Right. Like my nieces. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think what I, I don't really know about just like, a random person on the street sharing the same soul as me, but in a different body. Um, I do understand the, the karmic connection though. You know, when you, when you see planets that are landing in somebody's eighth house, or if you have planets connected to somebody's Pluto, uh, that indicates that there's some kind of deep soul work that needs to be done that maybe has been done for lifetimes before this and that you're in some kind of soul contract with this person. Um, these are the types of people that I feel like when you meet them, like, you know, them before you've even really gotten to know them, like you meet them instantly and you're like, I feel like I know you, this is, you know, it's, it's that connection where, you know, when you think about it from a romantic sense, it's like, oh my God, I met this person. And, and I just like, I know we, we've known each other in a past life that that feeling that tells me that there are planets, somebody's planets is in somebody else's eighth house, which is the house of death, which is that karmic connection, which is ruled by Pluto. It's the sign of Scorpio. It's associated with the eighth sign, which is Scorpio. And, and then if there's planets connected to Pluto, as well now like i've heard uh megan fox and machine gun kelly talk about how they're a twin flame uh and you know they're both tauruses so there is that commonality between them where uh but i think there has to be something deeper going on there than just being taurus because not every single taurus is the same soul as another taurus but i mean they do have like 
really strong uh, sexual attraction. Like when we were talking about Venus and uh, and Mars and those sorts of things, it's like uh, a machine gun Kelly's Venus is uh, it's 17 degrees in Pisces and Megan Fox's Mars is at 19 degrees in Capricorn. So that's a water earth connection. They're only two degrees or less apart. Uh, so it's a very strong connection. And uh, that's the planet of love, Machine Gun Kelly's planet of love in strong positive alignment with Megan Fox's planet of attraction. So that is a very powerful aspect that I'll look for if I see that in a couple's chart. I'm like, okay, that's that's like hitting all sevens on the on the slot machine or whatever. That's a really positive one. That's the chart I'm looking to bring forward in the session where we can be like, this match came and I got their chart. And then we're like, ding, ding, ding. All the things are checking off. And then I'm like, okay, let's do this. Exactly. That's what I want for you. I I want to see the sun connected to the moon, uh, Venus connected to Mars, Mars connected to the moon or the sun or Venus connected to the sun. Uh, And then I also want to see, you know, Saturn connected to the moon in a positive way, because we didn't talk about, I mentioned Mercury, Jupiter, and Saturn, Mercury's communication. So you have any of these planets, especially the sun or, uh, or, or the moon connected to Mercury, there's going to be strong, uh, communication. Uh, if it's Mars connected to Mercury, you're going to have really, uh, active conversations, you know, like you, you might be, people might think that you're screaming at each other, but you're actually just having a normal conversation for the two of you. You know, you just have like this heated sort of expression of, of your words to one another. Uh, if you're talking about Jupiter, Jupiter's the, the planet of laughter. Uh, so if you have Jupiter in alignment with the sun, that's somebody that they're going to make you laugh. And so that's a nice thing to have in a chart. And then Saturn is the planet of commitment. So the number one aspect that I've seen in the hundreds of charts that I've looked at is Saturn connected to the moon. Now, if it's that square, it could be that type of relationship that you you really want to get out of it, but some somehow, some way you just feel trapped and you can't. Uh, but if it's in a positive way, that's somebody that is going to be committed to your emotions, or you're going to be committed to their emotions, that you're going to take their emotional expression seriously. So they're really going to take responsibility for how you're feeling, or you're going to take responsibility for how they're feeling in a positive way. If it's that trine or the sextile, if it's the square, then you may feel like, you know, overburdened and obligated. It's like, oh my God, they're always in a bad mood and it's always my fault and and I can't get out of it. It just doesn't matter what I do. That's a really good insight because I think we're always wanting to look at long-term, well, not always, sometimes. Most of the time where I'm at now, personally, I'm looking for more of the long-term compatibility. So mm-hmm. it's important to look at that. And I definitely was never even considering my moon sign energy and what that's bringing to the table and how that might impact someone else's uh, ability to be compatible with me. And, and it's so, it makes so much sense when you think about it. Cause that's like the longevity right there. If, if the emotional, um, 
vulnerability can be exposed and it can be supported and valued, then there's like a shot at the long term. If it's squared or if it's, if there's no connection at all, it's probably going to be a challenge and the longevity is going to be a lot of work for both people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's why, you know, for you, I hope that, you know, you would want to find somebody who's uh, Saturn is, you know, your moon is in Pisces. So Saturn would be near to the same degree as your moon in, let's say, Capricorn would be a good sign or uh, Taurus would be another good sign or Scorpio or Cancer would be a good sign to connect to your moon. That would mean that strong emotional compatibility. They're going to give you that foundational support that you need to express your emotions. Meanwhile, you know, their, their sun is in air and it's connecting to your Mars in a really positive way. So there's that strong physical sexual attraction. Uh, and maybe their sun is uh, connecting to your Venus in a positive way or, or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to meet this person. They sound <laughs> yes. great. They sound yes. very compatible. I love it. It's going to happen, Tiffany. It's totally happening. Yes. It is happening. Um, okay. I also want to ask you, so you've done, a, you mentioned hundreds of couples readings. What happens when you're doing a couples readings and you're seeing a major incompatibility? Like, how do you handle that? Do you call it out? Has anything ever happened where the couple's broken up after a reading if they learned that there's incompatibilities like do you know i don't know if anyone's broken up but i always tell people that you know my i'm not giving you my opinion i'm i'm just sharing i'm just translating the information here i'm laying the cards out on the table i'm not telling you you shouldn't be with this person like that you know because people ask me all the time like are are we going to make it are, are, you know, are we meant to be together? I'm like, well, you're meant to be together because obviously you're together. So here you are, you're together. So you're meant to be together. Is it going to last long-term? I mean, all I know is that at some point in time, the relationship's going to end. Either there's going to be a breakup or someone's going to die. Uh, that's the, the bad news or the good news, however you want to look at it. And then the other side of it is that your relationship if there's still karmic work that needs to be done, you will reconnect again in this lifetime or the next. But I'm just laying out the cards for you. So, and you decide if, if you want to play the hand. That's it. I think that's always so important to remember with astrology in general, with learning about um, your chart and stuff is we have our own sovereignty and we're making our own decisions at the end of the day. It can be a helpful um, framework and tool to utilize, but it's so important to not, if something's not resonating to not take it or, you know, don't let it impact the way you move forward, um, with a future decision based on mm-hmm. what you learned. I, I think it's, it's really like taking the learnings that are beneficial for you and setting yourself up for success and the things that, that aren't serving to just leave it where it is. Well, and I, I just remind people that like, there's going to be gifts and challenges in every relationship. There's not right. anything where I look at a relationship like, wow, you, you know, you don't have anything to work on. It's, you know, it's the Disney fairy tale happily ever after. No, I mean, there's always going to be challenges and it's my job to point out these challenges so that you can work on them and then point out the gifts so that you can cultivate them. It's not about me saying, no, you shouldn't be in this relationship. 
Um, and I certainly don't want anyone feeling that way when they're done with the reading with me. I, I want them feeling empowered uh, that they have a choice to make and it's their choice to make. Do they want to work on these areas? Because a lot of times people will be like, oh, so this is why he annoys me or she annoys me in this situation. And it's like, yeah, it's not that they're trying to be a jerk. They, that's just, you know, that's this connection here. They're just being themselves. And and so you have to work with that, that frequency in a positive way. Such an important thing to remember. And so valuable because yes, there's always going to be conflict, friendship, any type of partnership that you're in business, love, whatever it is. And when you understand the differences of each person's unique energies and their code, it can actually benefit you and empower you. Okay. This is why we keep having this dumb fight over X, Y, Z. It's because I'm programmed this way. You're programmed that way. And it like takes a lot of the heat off of whatever the dumb fight is about. Exactly. Okay. It's official. I'm in a serious relationship with the elevated elixirs by cured nutrition. I just got my first 12-pack in the mail, and I'm sad to say that I already drank them all. They were so delicious. In the afternoon, I can't tell you what a bubbly beverage does for my soul. I really need something to kind of perk me up in the afternoons when I'm just feeling the heat exhaustion, the summer months, you're trying to work, you're trying to do things at the computer, and you just kind of want something bubbly, fizzy, something to kind of perk you up a little bit. These beverages do that. I'm obsessed with the ginger lime flavor. I love that they are carbonated. They give you that kind of like sparkle fizzle, but they don't have all the junk that traditional energy drinks have. And they actually have a lot of ingredients that help perk you up beyond just the fizziness. The drinks contain CBD, lion's mane, L-theanine and a vitamin blend with like a ton of vitamins that I'm probably deficient on and could use a little boost with anyways. The ginger lime flavor is really refreshing and just gives a little pizzazz aftertaste in your mouth as it goes down. I love these ice cold. I even add like crushed ice, put it in a wine glass to make it feel like this more elevated experience and they taste good and they don't contain alcohol and they calm your soul with the CBD. So it really is that perfect blend of like all the bucket list items I was hoping for with these elixirs. I've now tried several of the cured product line. I love their aura supplements for kind of gut health. I love their Zen relaxation nightcaps, which are filled with functional mushrooms, adaptogens, nootropics, and also cannabinoids to just really help you zen out in the evenings. And I daily take their CBD full spectrum hemp oil because it's just kind of that everyday baseline dose of cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids to just help me feel a little bit more calm, ease some of my anxieties. So if you haven't tried their products yet, you are missing the boat. They do have these new CBD THC gummies that I'm dying to try next. So I will keep you posted. If you want to try any of their product line, you can get 10% off your first order with coupon code epiphany at checkout. And their website is curednutrition.com. 
Epiphany for 10% off your first order. Go check them out. And if you try the elixirs, tell me what you think. Let's dig into some celebrity charts and maybe look at how this plays out. Because I think it's, it's fascinating when we think about couples that we all see mainstream, if they've broken up, gotten back together, if they've been together forever, if they, um, have like some kind of love triangle, like what's happening in the astrology. Yeah. Okay. So one couple Let's that comes it. to mind, cause we are talking about, um, you know, compatibility long-term, maybe if getting together, breaking up, getting back together, I think of, um, and open partnerships. I think of Jada um, Pinkett Smith and Will mm-hmm. Smith. Okay. Can we look at their? Yes. Can we look yes. at their charts? Yes. Let's look at them. Uh, let me pull this up here. So, the Smiths. Where are the Smiths here? So we got Jada. Uh, right here, and then. Uh, okay, where did? Here's Will Smith right here okay so i'm gonna share do you want me to share my screen with you yeah please okay so let's dig in okay so this is uh jada's on the inside here in the circle will's on the outside so you know they're neighboring signs virgo and libra virgo comes before libra uh, Jada's a Virgo, Will's a Libra. I, I I typically like neighboring signs because you know when you're when you're uh, when you're connecting with your neighbor, uh, as you can see, Jada has a couple planets in Libra. Will has a few planets in Virgo, even though she's a Virgo and he's a Libra. They have planets in the neighboring signs because the uh, the. Venus is never more than two signs away from the sun and Mercury is never more than one sign away from the sun. So Jada, her uh, sun is in Virgo, but her Venus is in Libra, which is one sign over. Uh, Will doesn't have Venus or Mercury in Virgo, but there's still for their planets in Virgo. So that just happened to be some luck there, but that's a good, I I feel like that's a good caveat to tell people if, if they're not an opposite element. So like for, in my Mm -hmm. case, an air sign being fire and other air signs, it could also be a neighboring sign. So for me as a Libra sun, it could be a Virgo sun or a Scorpio sun. I think that's super helpful because they're, because um, th- that's water and earth. So it exactly. wouldn't be what I would go to. So it's an important thing to remember. Yes, but you you could vibe with a Scorpio or a Virgo because you're a Libra and those are the, the neighboring. It makes yeah, so much exactly. sense. I love that. Exactly. And, and I have friendships in both of those and it makes so much sense, like deep friendships. So yes. it makes a lot of sense why yes. there would be that pull. I love that. I love that. So the first thing that jumps out to me is... You see Jada's Venus right here is this little circle with the cross right there. It's at one degree in Libra. That's conjunct with Will's sun. His sun is this circle with the dot is three degrees Libra. So that's a conjunction with the planet of love and the planet of vitality. That tells me that, you know, their likes and dislikes are similar. Uh, There's a lot of love in the relationship because of this. Uh, They are they they probably are they can decide where to go what to eat what to watch all those simple sort of things 
uh, their likes and dislikes are in alignment with each other. So I like that alignment right there. The mundane everyday stuff is so important to have compatibilities on because you need yes. someone that you can go to the grocery store with just as much as you can have the hot sex with later that night. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so then let's see what else, you know, we've got the Jada suns at 25 degrees in Virgo that is conjunct wills Pluto at 23 degrees in Virgo. So that draws people together like magnets. Uh, it can, it can, this is like kind of that karmic bonded connection here where they're, they're here to do some soul work together. Uh, so, but that can also bring in like that physical attraction, that sexual attraction, because Pluto is one of the planets along with Mars. They're the two planets that rule sex. Mars is the physical act of sex and spiritual is like the magical uh, spiritual bonding that occurs between two people when they engage in sexual activity. Now there's Jada's sun at 25 degrees in Virgo is also connecting to Will's moon at 21 degrees in Scorpio. So that indicates uh, some emotional compatibility there where even though they may get in fights and those sort of things, they're always somehow able to come back to center and, mm, and just it. appreciate one another. Um, so those are the positive ones that, that sort of jump out at me off the bat. Now, I also want to look at like the placements, what houses are they in? And I'm not sure you know, I, I'm a little wary. Well, actually, Jada's is an A grade and Will is also an A, an a grade. Yeah. So so I feel good about both of these times. Um, so you see that Will has three plant, four planets in the 10th house. That's the house of career, the house of achievement. So Will is lighting up Jada's 10th house. Uh and she is, he's interested in her career. She's interested in his career. When you flip it the other way, Will or Jada, her planets are in Will's fourth house. So uh, home, she is like rooting in his home uh, where he is like helping her in her career and aspirations or helping her achieve her goals she is helping bring like family life to him because that's the fourth house, the house of home. Wow. So, that is an amazing balance between yes. career and home and family. Cause they have two kids together. They're married. Yes. So you have the, the career help and then you have the home compatibility. That's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, their, their ascendant descendants are opposite each other. So this is why there may be an openness to their relationship. You know, I, I can't totally speculate. I mean, we've, we've heard the rumors or whatever, but well, they've confirmed is, it, I believe. Okay. From what I understand, it. they've so, confirmed it and, and they've spoken about when they split up for a while and, and how that all went and then how they reconciled on Jada's talk show. So this is how it gets, this is how it gets kind of complex uh, because Will's moon is in Scorpio, which is the deepest, darkest, most passionate sign. And it's also an extremely loyal sign because it's fixed. So he is deeply loyal in his emotions, even though 
he might not openly show or share his feelings. Like he feels deeper than people can even understand. And I think we saw that Mm. and how it came out in kind of a a stinging Scorpio kind of way with the slap. Um, That is that Scorpio stinger. Yes. At the Oscars. And so, yeah. Yeah. So he's deeply committed. He's extremely loyal. And it makes sense that it feels like elusive because you don't really see, they're not like one of those couples, like when we were talking about Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, where it's that like PDA all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they have some really cute couple, like picture, couple pictures where they look like they're into each other, but it's not this like aggressive display mm-hmm. of um, emotions. So I, I think that makes sense why he's Scorpio. Moon. I love that you said aggressive display because Travis Barker is an Aries moon. Now he's a Scorpio son, but the way that he expresses his emotions is aggressive. Aggressive. It's like, it's like, there's no holding back. (laughs) Yes. So Will, he's a Libra. So you know what that's like. He's super chill, laid back. That's why like the slap was so shocking. It's like, yes, Will Smith, like he's super mellow. Like he's super chill. Like, but it's that Scorpio moon. He just got to his nth degree of his emotions. and, And when the scorpion strikes, it's shocking. Like you don't expect it. Right. Uh, so wow. that's, that's happening there. But at the same time, you know, Will is a Gemini rising. So his seventh house is in Sagittarius. The seventh house is the house of marriage, which means that in his marriage, he wants total and utter freedom. He wants freedom, whatever that means to him. That's what he wants. He wants to be free. He doesn't want to be told where to go, what to do, how to think what to say. He knows the difference between right or wrong. He has a high sense, you know, sense of ethics and, and he wants the freedom to explore far and wide within the relationship. Now that can be challenging because Jada is that Virgo, you know, Jada's got one, two, three, three, four planets in Virgo, plus her midheaven, all in Virgo. Virgo is mutable earth. Sagittarius is mutable fire, both mutable. They make a strong connection with each other, but fire scorches earth, earth extinguishes fire. So I think that at some point, Jada, especially with her, the way that she communicates to Will, she, her Mercury is at nine degrees in Virgo, is squaring his ascendant descendant. So the way that she communicates with him might just ruffle his feathers sometimes where he feels like she's he's being controlled by her and he doesn't want to be controlled. So that can create some friction. Now on the other side, Jada, she's a Sagittarius rising. So when she, when she speaks, she's blunt, she's right in your face. Like she's going to tell you like it is. And that's all that it is. She's not going to sugarcoat things. She's just going to be straightforward and honest about what she's feeling, what she's thinking on the other side, her descendant is Gemini. So that's like you, Tiffany. It's the, it's, you know, I'm curious about this person. I'm curious, like, what would it be like with that person or that this person or whatever person she's, you know, she's, she's got that wondering eye. Uh, And I don't fault her for that. And the articles that I read, so let's just say that we'll see if these articles are accurate or not. But from what what has been put in articles about the two of them is that Jada grew up in a more unconventional household where 
I don't know what the dynamic was, but it was definitely not as traditional as Will. Will grew up in a Christian household where Mm. I read in an article where he was scared to express that he had some like kind of adventuring qualities that he wanted Mm. to um, experience or express where Jada was just like kind of owning it from the beginning. Like I have this kind of need to explore. So I wonder how that worked out in their particular dynamic because um, even with the, with the freedom that will might want, if he does have that, it, it really goes back to like astrology being one piece of the puzzle. And then how your rays can also really influence how your astrology even plays out. Because if you have these like conventional, um, upbringing where you're scared to express how you really feel, you can hold back in what your, your true soul is actually asking you to express. Exactly. Exactly. That makes so much sense. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at Jada's chart and I'm seeing like, you know, her her Mars is in Aquarius. Her North Node is in, in Aquarius. So she's driven to be unconventional. You know, she's not meant to be the norm. Like, you know, the your everyday sort of all-American housewife or whatever. Like she's she's meant to just kind of march to the beat of her own drum, do her own thing and and not be controlled by anyone or anything. Now, Will, his Mars is at two degrees in Virgo. That squares Jada's ascendant descendant. So just like her Mercury squares his ascendant descendant, his Mars, the god of war, squares these two points. So this is where some real volatility can come out between the two of them. He feels controlled by her, so he tries to control her. She tries to break free. This is where the fights happen. Um, that's, that's the big challenge here. Uh, there's also her Saturn is conjunct his ascendant, the planet of restriction on top of his face, his body, his personality, the essence of his soul, uh, his, her, her Saturn is, is in the seventh house in her seventh house. So her Saturn is in her seventh house. So she's here to really work on relationships. Relationships mm. might not be easy for her. They're challenging. Uh, but that's that's part of her responsibility is learning how to be a better communicator in her relationships. Well, I, I think that's a great call out because what from what I can see, from what I've read about them, I think they're a great example of a couple who's willing to explore what's been coming up rather than resisting it, walking away immediately, giving up on the relationship, bailing. They seem like a couple where they took the time they needed to kind of sort some things out. They really brought up and voiced to one another what what each other's side was, what their grievances were. And then they were able to reconcile and um, develop a relationship that works for them, that they basically formulated perfectly for each other's um, own individual needs and wants. Like, I think that's a great example of how I think more couples could approach relationships that way or, or even have a chance to reconcile where some people give up so easily. Absolutely. I mean, I I applaud Will and Jada. (laughs) You know, I I can't imagine what it's like to be in the public eye in a relationship like that. And and they've been doing it for a long time. And and it's we've seen the best and the worst of it. And it's been front and center. 
and and somehow they keep trugging along. I applaud them. You know, Will's Saturn is in Jada's fifth house. So this is restricting that fun that she wants to have. So the more that they understand this about each other, and I'm sure they do, I'm not saying that, you know, maybe they've had an astrology reading or not, but it seems like there are a couple that have done a lot of work on their relationship. So I think they would, you know, totally understand all of this. And it's like, this is one of those things where it's like, look, you've got some really positive uh, alignments here. There's the sexual attraction. There is the, the love connection. Uh, there's the emotional compatibility, but then there's all of this, all these challenges as well. You know, is it worth it to you? And they keep saying, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. I, I want to keep doing this, you know, like I understand it's hard, uh, but I'm sticking with this person. And, and every time we stick together and we see each other to the other side, we're grateful that we did. So I, I wish them all the best. Absolutely. Same. Same. So cool to see how that plays out. Well, let's look at one more couple. I think we have time to look at one more. Um, the, the one that comes up for me is, uh, recently in the news, there was this, um, wedding that went down between Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Mm. They had been engaged in the past, broke up for a number of years. Both of them are divorced with kids from previous relationships. They got back together and then they had the wedding. What was interesting about it to me, I think it just happened one or two weeks ago in Georgia. Um, well, they had two weddings. I think they had a Vegas ceremony and then they had the, the wedding um, ceremony, but they don't look very, well, Ben, I can only really speak to the pictures I've seen of Ben. Ben does not look very happy. And I'm curious about their long-term compatibility. What can what can we see? Are there birth charts available to be able to look at? We have Ben Affleck's birth time. We unfortunately do not have JLo's birth time. So, but we have uh, her birth date. So we, we have her birth date. Stuff. Okay. Uh, so, you know, when you don't have the birth time and you just have the birth date, you know, that's a 24 hour window to work with. So the moon moved, uh, you know, maybe 12 to 15 degrees. And we don't have the rising sign. So it does, a, it leaves uh, a lot to, to guess, but there's also a lot that we do know. So right now we're looking at Ben's. He is on the inside here. Uh, he, like Will Smith, is a Scorpio moon. So Ben, you can see with him too, he also has that really kind of hidden, suppressed emotions. Uh, him and will like, and, and like you said, like he doesn't seem that happy. Uh, you know, there is a picture of him, I think in the back of a car, uh, after the wedding, he looked like he was completely, uh, annihilated from the wedding, just like trash. I'm like, I don't know if he drank too much or what, but he kind of just always gives off like deer in the headlights energy where he just kind of like, and maybe like some of it can be speculated, like well, he's probably annoyed. He knows he's getting his picture taken. Yeah. But it is just uh, interesting, even in candidates where he's talking to, I've seen with his ex-wife, Jennifer Gardner, or even with Jennifer, J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, mm-hmm. he seems like just like, kind of like, uh, just sunken. His yes. eyes seem sunken in. So Ben, his Scorpio moon. So he hides his emotions are hidden. There's parts of his emotions that are hidden, but at the same time, he's a cancer rising. So he's just kind of a moody individual, uh, especially in the public. 
Um, he can be very charming and and fun to be around, like cancer rising people. Like you just want to hug them. They're 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 very they're very nurturing and caring and kind, but at the same time, uh, they can also just be really moody because they're picking up so much energy from people, places, and things. And I can only imagine what it was like, what he was going through in that wedding. You know, I don't know how many people were there, hundreds of people at this wedding. He's interacting with all of them. Uh, and then all the media coverage, uh, the stories coming out about, his brother wasn't at the wedding. His mom fell off the dock, like all these, it's just, it just so much stress. And, and right. he really just needs to spend time at home. You know, he's a second house son, which is Taurus. He's a Leo son. Uh, he's a fourth, he's a fourth house Scorpio moon. So home is very important to him. Stability is very important to him. And so just the, the whole experience of doing the wedding, uh, moving houses. I heard that, you know, he's selling his house, moving into JLo's house. It's just, none of that can, can really be fun for him. So but I don't that know. That honestly it's... surprises me why he would even want to partner with JLo long-term marry her. If she's going to always be in the public eye, you sign up for that. If you marry someone like JLo, I mean, <laughs> arguably, I think JLo is more famous than Ben. They both are, but you know, I feel like he can't really, he can run, but he can't hide. Well, JLo, I feel like JLo is more comfortable in the spotlight than yes, he is. Absolutely. And she loves it. Yes. And so this is, this is the big thing about JLo. Like I, I did a post about JLo on, on Instagram and TikTok uh, about how she didn't, uh, she didn't like, there was a story that came out uh, where I think it's Heather Morgan. She's the actor on Glee spreading some kind of rumor that JLo like called out all the Virgos at the audition at the end of the audition. Oh, that's and then right. You and I were talking leave. about this. Yes. And, and so JLo's a Sagittarius Mars. So that would make sense in and of itself, but not knowing her time of birth, she's either a Scorpio moon or a Sagittarius moon. That's now, right. this is why I think that she's a Sagittarius moon. I, ha I had a little pushback from the comments. People say, no, she's Scorpio moon. But I think I was one of those people. I said that. Oh, did you? I th yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she's more Sag moon because that's more that extroverted expression. Whereas Ben Affleck, he's not that extroverted. You know, he, he is in terms of like, he's a movie star. He's a Leo son. But there's a quality to him that's very introverted, and that's the Cancer rising, and the Cancer in the in the fourth house, which is associated with the fourth sign, Cancer, Scorpio Moon, uh, J Lo. I just feel like if she's a, if she's a Scorpio Moon, then she has to be an extroverted ascendant, uh, which I don't know um, if she if she is or isn't because I don't know the time, but. But I just feel like that Sagittarius flavor where she is, it, it's, you know, you're she totally wants to right, though. Spotlight. She seems really comfortable um, on camera. She seems to really enjoy it. She doesn't seem as bothered by the, you know, creepy crawler photographers following them around as he mm -hmm. does. So yes. I think that makes a lot of sense. So. So thinking about like the time, like, because we don't know the time, we don't know exactly where the moon is, but 
if she was born, let's say, uh, if she was born at, you know, afternoon, if she was born at like, say, two o'clock, you see the, the moon is in Sagittarius, that would be squaring Ben's Mars. And that's what we talked about earlier is is the moon squaring mars that's one of those things where it's like there's there's a lot of heat in the bedroom it's it's you know a hot sexual attraction but there's also that volatility but even without that her mars is squaring his mars at three degrees sag squaring his mars at zero degrees virgo that you know they're they're kind of at odds with the direction that they want to take that's what i would indicate from that alignment um, but there is that commitment with her Venus conjunct his Saturn. So that's the planet of commitment, Saturn conjunct with the planet of love, Venus. So this is why, you know, they, they keep showing up in each other's lives, even though they broke up, they're back together again. Uh, and, it, and it happened in this 18 year cycle, uh, which is like the moon is always back in the same place every 18 years. So Ooh, fascinating. Um, yes. Yes. Now, does that connection point with the Venus and Saturn in the 12th house is what I'm seeing here. Does that have any indication that there's some kind of past life connection? 12th house being the unconscious. Like, I, I guess I'm kind of thinking of it, maybe having some reflective in the past qualities. Well, when I think of again, it's the eighth house. The eighth that I'm house. Of. Yeah. The twelfth house. This is this would indicate that, you know, that J Lo has some sensitivity to to what Ben is going, what's going on in Ben's unconscious. She has some sensitivity to that. She she just kind of intuitively knows based on her physical senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, what is going on beneath the surface with him. Now the two of them, like Will and Jada also have Venus connecting to the sun, uh, though in a different way. Will and Jada, it was a conjunction. Ben and J-Lo, it's a sextile. So Ben's sun is at 22 degrees in Leo. It's sextiling J-Lo's Venus at 19 degrees in Gemini. So that is a positive aspect that would indicate, you know, having similar likes and dislikes uh, and a very strong love nature with one another. Mm. But the but the bonds, like the karmic bond, that sort of thing. I mean, JLo's moon is potentially connecting to, to Ben's Pluto, which would indicate some deep soul work going past on life. between the two mm-hmm. of them. Yes, past life. And definitely her Mars is connected to his Pluto, which also is an indication of that sexual attraction, um, past life connection, bonding with one another. Uh, on a very deep level. I think that that is insightful to point out because I think when we look at, or when we think about couples who break up, get back together and it's like 18 year cycle. I mean, that's a long time, but to come back together, there's gotta be some kind of soul reason why they're coming back together. I should also mention that her son at one degree in Leo is also sextile his Pluto. It zero degrees in Libra. So her Mars, her sun, and maybe her moon are all connecting to his Pluto, including also her Uranus and Jupiter. Let's not forget them. So she definitely has one, two, three, four planets within 
three degrees of his Pluto, which is that past life karmic bond, and maybe even five if we were to count the moon, if we knew the time. So that tells me that they have some sort of karmic work to do. Yeah. Uh, that, that they're transforming. The yes, they're transforming each other's lives and and they were bound to to come back together. How long it lasts, like who knows? But um, you know, again, I, I wish them all the best and uh nothing but the best for both of them. I hope they're happy. Definitely. With and yes, and I wonder too, like I always wonder with celebrities, they like you said about um Jada and Will, it's like hopefully they're getting their astrology charts. Yeah, red because exactly. it's just so helpful to understand how these different complexities line up against one another's charts. You know what you're working with, and yes. I really feel like it. Like we said earlier, it really can set you up for success um, and and just a, a further understanding of one another. Yes, you know what you're working with. That's that's it. You said it right there. I mean, that's the key. It's the key. Well, Scott. Another fascinating deep dive convo, all things love. Thank you so much for coming back on. You're welcome. Where can people find you to learn more about you or to hopefully book a reading? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Tiffany. Uh, Theweeklytransit.com. That's where that's where I am. Uh, you can book a reading, schedule a reading directly through the website. I'm also on Instagram at the weekly transit. I'm on TikTok at the weekly transit and I have a YouTube page as well. Just type in the weekly transit and it will pop up there. Side note, I'm obsessed with your recent, um, taking to TikTok. It's very inspiring <laughs> and so fun. I love the videos. Thank Everyone you. check out the weekly transit on TikTok for sure. And the new book, the weekly transit now in paperback, I have the basics of astrology. What did I just the, say? You said the, the weekly. weekly transit. Yeah. But it's the basics of astrology, basics of yes. astrology by the weekly transit. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and you can find that on Amazon. And I just picked up my copy and it's such a handy reference manual. If you're just looking for how the planets and stars work, how they line up to get the kind of one-on-one foundational things, definitely pick up a copy of Scott's book. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. 